This is the Only in Miami show, sponsored by Morningside Mortgage Corporation of Bay Harbor Islands. Tonight's show is hosted by Grant Stern. Find out more about our sponsor at www.morningsidemortgage.com. That's www.morningsidemortgage.com. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co. iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. Welcome to our special third anniversary edition of the Only in Miami show. That's right. It's been just over three years since we started bringing what's important in Miami, citywide, and sometimes beyond, and all of the people, the personalities, the authors, the musicians, the filmmakers, the politicians, the, the hardworking men and women of Miami-Dade County, the natives, the transplants, uh, people who have come here from Cuba, people who have come uh, left here to go to Cuba, <laughs> everything in between. We've worked very hard for the last three years to bring a real slice of Miami into your radio for one or two hours. We used to be a two-hour show every single week, and we have recorded over 140 episodes just in the last three years, and I want to say thank you to everybody who's listening tonight. As I always tell you, we've got a great show for you. Kick those shoes off. Relax. If you're stuck in traffic, as I sadly always tell you, I know you are, <laughs> relax, because we've got a wonderful show you don't want to miss tonight. We've got four amazing guests, special guests for our third anniversary. Uh, we have Uncle Luke, who should be calling into the studio any minute now. Um, and Uncle Luke, or Luther Campbell, he's run for mayor of Miami-Dade County. He was the front man for the Two Live crew. He is a, a music producer. A uh, very famous DJ. Uh, he's a writer for the Miami New Times, and I'm just looking forward to having him on the program for the first time for our third anniversary show. Then later on in the broadcast, we have radio legend Roy Firestone. He's also a television legend. Roy was on ESPN. Um, he did up close. He interviewed uh, numerous stars of the sporting world for 19 years on ESPN. And Roy actually is a University of Miami graduate. He is from Miami Beach, and we're going to bring him onto the program a little bit later in the hour. And we also have Michael Moot, whose amazing, amazing music you have been hearing on this program for the last three years. Uh, he's in the studio with us, and we're going to have a special live performance from Afro Beta's Smurfio at the bottom of the hour. But this is the part of the program where you give me, uh, your host, your humble host, a few minutes to speak directly to the you about issues of importance that affect us 
in Miami citywide and sometimes beyond. And today I wanted to give a short obituary to nobody. Nobody was a street artist. He went by the name TMNK, the man that nobody knows. Uh, nobody passed away in September from an overdose. He's an amazing artist. He created Art is My Weapon, which is something you should Google and check out. Everybody found out about a major piece that nobody did right in front of the American Airlines Arena after Michael Brown perished. And I think it's relevant today because today a judge in South Carolina declared a mistrial in the trial of Michael Slager, a police officer who shot an African-American man in the back. Uh, and it was recorded in a, a video that shocked America. And for some reason, justice could not be served today. And nobody after Michael Brown was killed, went to the American Airlines Arena and went to the billboard across the street. And he committed an act of artistic vandalism that made the news. He drew, drew tears onto LeBron James. Um, you know, it made national headlines. He went to jail for it. Like he actually, you know, owned up to what he did. It was vandalism, destruction of property. But it made a statement. And now he's gone too. I knew nobody. And I miss him. And this whole city misses him. And one of the reasons that he's not here today is because of the pain that he as an artist felt. I know, because nobody told me. We had breakfast together. That's how we became friends. And he told me that it was tough for him to take what was going on out there. And it really weighed on him and that is pretty much what did nobody in. It, it pierced his soul, and there was nothing that nobody could do to resist it. It's a loss for the entire Miami art community, but it's, it's a loss for all of us because he was an amazing artist who revealed something very important by being the man that nobody knows. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show.
You're listening to the Only in Miami show. This is Chris Mouse from the original cast recording from Mouse King, playing this weekend at the Mandel Stam Theater in South Miami. They're at 8530 Southwest 57th Avenue. Get tickets to their Friday opening night performance at 7 p.m. and the Saturday matinee 3 p.m. at MouseKingTickets.com. MouseKingTickets.com. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co. iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're back live. We've got Roy Firestone on the line. Roy, thank you so much for calling into the program tonight. Great, Grant. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Yourself? I'm fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for asking and happy holidays to you as well. Oh, yeah. It's that time of year. So how is the weather in Los Angeles today? Oh, it's fine. It's not Miami weather, which is 87 degrees every single day <laughs> for the most part. But, uh, no, it's it's a little cool today. It's about 60 degrees. It's uh, good weather to get out and walk around. It's a great place to live. I've been here, gosh, it'll be almost 40 years in next year. So that's that's pretty incredible. Hard to believe it's been that long. That is a long time, but I don't think a lot of people realize that you're actually from South Florida, right? Oh, yeah. I'm born and raised. I grew up there, lived there till I was 24 years old. Um, and, uh, you know, always a Miami fan, a big Hurricane fan, big Dolphin fan, Heat, the Marlins. I remember the Marlins growing up as the single-A team. And, of course, <laughs> That's at, different right. le- at, at different levels of the minor leagues. As well, and I remember the old Miami Stadium, which became Bobby Maduro Stadium. That's but right. Of course, they're playing, they're playing not very far from there, and of course, they're playing on the grounds of the Orange Bowl these days. And I fondly remember the Orange Bowl as well. The two two mo- most favorite venues was to me for growing up the, the Orange Bowl and Miami Stadium. Had a lot of fun there. So, was there one particular memory at Bobby Maduro Stadium that stands out? Because that was a, an amazing stadium with the big. Uh, you know, it had the curved roof that, that hung mm-hmm. over. It was a cantilevered roof, I think they call it. Yes, it was. In fact, I was in a documentary called The White Elephant about the history of Miami Stadium, which is a fascinating history. 
incidentally, for those who are interested. I think you can get this video uh, on Netflix or something like that. It's called The White Elephant. But it's interesting you brought that up about my best memory, because you may or may not know this, Grant. I was the bat boy for the Orioles for two or three seasons growing up in high school. And uh, many, many incredible memories. I saw Roberto Colletti's uh, lasted bat at Miami Stadium, if you will, his final year of his life, sadly. I grew up with Frank and Brooks Robinson and Boog Powell and Jim Palmer, who remains a friend. In fact, I'm going to have dinner with him this week, Wednesday night here in Los Angeles. Um, you know, I had so many unbelievable memories. I rode the buses in the minor leagues with the players. Uh, with I'm sorry, the, the spring training, I should say, with the players. And I had so many great experiences. It really is what got me interested in getting involved in broadcasting, to be honest with you. And, of course, I was also... Uh, a big Dolphin fan. I, I was at Bob Greasy as counselor at his football camp, and I hosted the reunion of the 72 Dolphins in 2012, which was an amazing evening. Wow, and that does sound like an amazing evening. I mean, I should have been invited yeah, to that one. I had a lot of incredible experiences. I think one of the most cherished things I own to this day is a photo with the, the surviving members of the 72 team, and it's about 90% of them are still alive. Which is amazing uh, when you think about what's going on in modern football, right? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, we lost Garrow. We lost, um, you know, Earl Morrill. We lost a few other. Jesse Powell, I think we lost, and a few others. But for the most part, the team uh, is still surviving. And I have a photo, and I don't know how many people who can say they have this. And I'm, I say this with humility, I hope, but not in a braggadocio way. But I have a photo with me on stage as the host with every surviving member of the Dolphins 72 team. Now, I think that that is one of the coolest things I have. And, uh, I, you know, I, I love the, the time. I love the period of in the 70s, the Dolphins being what they were in Shula and the domination of, of the Dolphin team. Of course, we're not quite there anymore. But, not so uh, they much. Had a pretty good, they had a pretty good run up until yesterday. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, think, I think, generally speaking, uh, Miami is a whole different sports world than it was when I was growing up where you really only had one professional team, and that was the Dolphins. And even then, that took years and years and years. Now you have hockey and football and basketball. You have all kinds of stuff. And I remember vividly when Miami Hurricanes didn't even have a basketball program, and now it's probably their best program right now. That's right. I remember, too. Didn't they, uh, what, what, didn't they just say it didn't have enough interest and they killed and then they revived it when the Miami Arena came back or came around, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's fairly accurate. You know, I, I, I always look at Miami, and, and I say this, I think, and I think people might agree with me. I don't know if fair weather is the right word or bandwagon-ish, but it, it, it seems like Miami's fans really only jump aboard when the team is really rolling. Uh, you, know, you know, college, pro, Dolphins have a lot of empty seats these days, as do a lot of, a lot of venues, expenses. But I think when a team really starts to win, you start in the case of the Marlins the first time they won the World Series, you know, you had 67,000 fans at the old Joe Robbie Stadium, pro player, whatever it's called now. It's hard rock, I guess. But, you know, I've always felt that the Miami fans were essentially people who jumped aboard just when the team is rolling, but never a team that's going to go every week to watch a team uh, struggle, And uh, unlike a lot of other sports markets. That was sort of my only critique of the fans in Miami. Well, it's, you know, it, that's true. But sometimes it's off the field issues that are impacting yeah. that situation as well. I can speak as a, sure. a former Marlins season ticket holder uh, when I tell mm -hmm. you that 
it's it's not just what's happening on the field, but you know when they close down all the concessions on your level um, as a fan, it can be a little bit you know off-putting, and eventually you say, well, you know this is a team that has to function on the field and off the field. So mm-hmm. there's there's yeah. a little bit of that going on too. It's and it, also I think there you know let's face it, and you know this is the larger question. It's expensive to go to sporting events now. Oh, yeah. I mean, by the time you- you bring three, four members of your family, park the car, concessions, whatever. You're looking at a couple of hundred easily for a night. And a lot of people don't really you know, want to burn that cash for a mediocre product. So that's part of it. That um, is a part I, of it. You know, one of the things that, of course, still jumps out at me, and one of the most tragic stories I've ever remembered in all of sports was Jose Fernandez losing his life. This guy oh, was going to yeah. be... You know, he was going to be a big part of the Miami community. He was. An even bigger part he was going to become. Never had a chance to meet the young man, but uh, it was just a devastating loss. And when I look at that, that's sort of a – it wasn't quite homegrown because he grew up in Tampa, but he was somewhat of a homegrown superstar. You don't see that much anymore in sports. Well, he was, very he was really, homegrown for, you know, starting with the Marlins. I mean, correct. that's and, definitely and homegrown. I feel, I feel that's part, Grant, part of the reason we don't see the kind of affection that fans had for their franchises – I'm sure there is, obviously, if you're a Steeler fan, you're a Rabbit But the changeover from personnel, the players going free agency, graduation, one and duns in college, the loyalty level on the part of, I once asked this of Nixon. Believe it or not, Richard Nixon, of all people, I said, you know, everybody, you talk about it's important to be a fan, but what about the teams being important to the fans? In other words, re-sign the players who have time in and time out, you know, made a difference in the community and delivered. Make the, make the commitment financially, and don't let everybody jump and create you. Of course, it's easier said than done. But what you don't really see as much anymore as when I grew up, it was a player like a Brooks Robinson, for example, or even a Cal Ripken later, who played for, an entire fran- for a franchise for their entire career. You don't see it anymore. And because of that, I think, and this is not just in the case of Miami, but in all, in all markets, the fans really are, are wait, waited out before they purchase season tickets. They want to make sure that the players they grew up to like and even love are still going to be part of that franchise. And it's, it's what's changed most in sports is that, is the, is the movement and management movement, too. Management moves around the place. You, you see, you're seeing coaches and general managers fired at whims now. And so you're, it's hard to see continuity in sports. And I think that's one of the problems, too, for Miami fans is they just don't know who the, fa- who the players are going to be. I remember after they won the World Series in 97, you know, they dismantled that team. That team could have been a dominant team for years to come, but they dismantled it right off the bat. That's true. But then, you know, when, on the flip side, when you look at what the Miami Heat managed to do for a decade, more than Correct. a decade with Dwayne Wade, um, mm-hmm. you know, some teams have found a solution to that. And it's not that easy, really, when you think about it. The players that people remember the most are the franchise players, like the Dan Marinos and the, the Dwayne yep. Wades. So that adds that other exactly element right. of difficulty to it, right? Absolutely. I think that's part of it, too. And, you know, uh, I, I think with, with, with the financial aspect of sports today, and you know, we, we could talk about this all, all day long, but, I mean, I'm looking at today's headlines. You have a relief pitcher, a closer, that signed with the Giants named Mark Melanson, signed for about... $16 million for over a four year per, per year for the four year deal. You had, uh, that's a record, by the way, that will, that's, will be broken probably in the next week or two by 
Aroldis Chapman or Kenley Jansen. But when you start seeing money like this, when you start seeing a Rich Hill who's 37 years old and very, very solid last year, no question about it, but he gets three years, $48 million, you start seeing that it's not really about team loyalty. It's really about, or management loyalty for that matter. It's about dollar loyalty. And by the way, on both sides, you know, teams make business decisions based on the fact that they don't think they want to. The Cubs today made, clearly made the decision that he weren't, they weren't going to sign Chapman to a six-year deal. But that's really what's affected the change, I think, is, is the money, the television revenue being what it is. And, um, you know, because of it, I think you're seeing fans not quite. Uh, and one other thing, too, this has just popped into my head. But interesting, I'm seeing people, fans now, mostly young fans, not just aligning themselves with a team, but aligning themselves with individual players because of fantasy. And fantasy sports has now, I've actually seen my own sons do this, rooting against their really their real beloved team <laughs> because another player is on their fantasy team and they want to see that player generate yardage or touchdowns or something, and by the way, in baseball as well. So they're rooting against the very team they used to love wholeheartedly because, because of fantasy want. sports. Yeah, and I've seen that more and more. I, that's troubling to me, but that's what it is. You know, it just is what it is. Well, Roy, we're going to take a very short break, and we'll be right back. So stick around with us. All right, I will do that. And yep, we'll be it. right back. This is the only in Miami show. Been stuck inside for my whole life. This is the only in Miami show. Happy anniversary, Grant. You're listening to Beyond the Walls from the Mouse King original sound track recording. Mouse King runs this weekend at Mandelstam Theater, 8530 Southwest 57th Ave. There's a Friday show at 7 p.m. and a matinee show Saturday, 3 p.m. Get tickets at MouseKingTickets.com. That's MouseKingTickets.com. Oh, welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we are back live with Roy Firestone. Roy, thank you so much again for joining us on the program. My pleasure, Grant. So I have to ask your opinion on this, because to me... As a former season ticket holder, this is one of the biggest reasons why I did not renew tickets. Mm -hmm. There is now a clock in baseball to make sure that every half inning only lasts, the break in between each half inning only lasts, what, two minutes and 25 seconds. It's the first yeah. time baseball has ever had a clock. What's your opinion of the clock? I hate a clock. And, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like it. The one thing to me that separated baseball from the other sports is the fact that you can't look at the clock you so know it's true. all almost the only thing i make even tennis by the way has a clock now in the serving you have to serve in a certain period of time unless there's a, an injury timeout wow. but i think yeah I, I, you know the thing that bothers me is 
I never really watched the clock when I watched baseball growing up. I, I, I enjoyed the game. I still think, even though it's outrated by the National Football League and a lot of people, millennials and, and young people seem to like basketball a great deal more, and it skews older MLB, I still think baseball, all baseball, shines because it, 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 it's in a vacuum on its own. In other words, there's, you can't fall on the football, you can't run out the clock, you can't dribble out the clock in baseball. But creeping into that narrative is the fact that baseball now is feeling the sting of the impatience of society. So they're trying to hurry things up, even though they're making eight changes a game, and even though they've added the instant replay, which has added another eight to 12 more minutes to the game, the game is actually longer than it was in, in years past because of the replay thing. But I, I never really felt, I don't think when people watch a, a four-hour tennis match or a four-hour golf tournament that people are looking at their watches. It seems like baseball is just trying to look for things to get the game to move quicker, but I don't think it's going to move that much quicker. I don't like the idea of there's a, a nervousness or an urgency. I like the fact that it was a contemplated game. It remains to be, to me, it's still a contemplated game. It, uh, it's, it's a quieter game. It's, to me, it's a more of a, a nuanced game than the other sports. It's not attack, attack, attack. Uh, it's not particularly loud, a loud game. Uh, you know, metaphorically speaking, it's, it's, you know, sports now is explosions and fireworks. And baseball, you know, comes in drip, drip, drip. It, it's a developing sport. Well, now, that you know, baseball is—it's a sport of anticipation. Correct. That's right. Yeah. And and I also like the fact the greatest thing to me about the game is there there's an unforgiving, you know, distance thing that you know, sixty feet, you know, whatever the the, the measurements are, uh, ninety feet in some cases. Uh, home plate is, is a distance from the mound. All of these things, and it breaks down to milliseconds that the game could be decided. I think it's a fabulous thing. You really, you see, yes, you see a couple of inches in, in professional football and sports and in, in football sports, maybe tennis in or out. But the thing about baseball is there's an unforgiving reality. You have to make the play within a, a certain distance in a certain time regularly. I think it's fascinating. The other thing that I love about this sport more than any, anything else, is three and two, foul off, you've got to do it again. Bases loaded, three and two, the anticipation, as you said, Grant, and the idea that if the ball is fouled off, you've got to roll it right back there again. Right, there's nobody, no clock. It's just you, you and the pitcher until somebody decides. You, the, the. You can't compare that to any, anything else in any other sport. Now, some people would debate that maybe baseball's past its prime instead of the past time. But I, I still think that the one thing that separated was there was no clock. The more and more that that creeps in, the more of an urgency it is to be like other sports, and I reject that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, I've always looked at every individual baseball game like a snowflake. It exists for yep. just a little while. It's unique. <laughs> That's good. Mm -hmm. But then it, it melts away and it's gone. And, yeah, uh, and... and it, 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 you know, I, I love the line. I, I think it was originally attributed to Bryant Gumble. He said, you know, baseball is a love affair. You know, it's an ongoing love affair. Going up and down, it's like letters to someone you love, back and forth. Football is a one-night stand. <laughs> 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 and 
and I think I think that there's some truth to that because baseball develops over the course of a season. The seasons change; it gets colder, it's hotter, it's up and down, it's rain, and that you develop the relationship, like a personal relationship with the game, that you don't quite have with football. You know, those are all to be skirmishes. <laughs> They're all battles. You know, it's the battle of the bulge in football every week. You know, it's a major battle. Whereas baseball was, was an unfolding story. It's a novel. And I, I, I don't mean to get too cute with this stuff, but it's true. I think that there is a, there's a, a quality to, uh, to the game of baseball. If you're a full-season fan, I don't mean an occasional fan, but if you watch it on a, on a full season, which I do, and I'm, a, I'm a still a, a fanatic Oriole fan, and I really like the Marlins, too. I watch every single game, Grant. I mean every game, every night. And if I don't see it on time, I tape it. Um, whereas football, you know, you only have to show up once a week. And I, and I think because of it, your emotional, to me, your, your emotional draw to the sport uh, is greater, if you love it, it's greater for baseball than for other, other sports. That's just my opinion. Some may disagree. But that's my, my, my complete draw to the game is I've developed a relationship. And like a, a girlfriend or in the case of a woman, a boyfriend, sometimes it breaks your heart. Sometimes you want to go back. Sometimes you don't want to go back. Sometimes you want to move on. But you, if you love a franchise, if you love a team, if you're really a fan, you love that team for life. That's my opinion. And, and I think we've seen the best of that with what happened with the Cubs this year, right? Sure. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, how many George, stories George about people listening? You know, the the man that that drove two hundred miles to his father's yeah. gravesite to listen to the World Series with them. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, I didn't realize this until only a few weeks ago that Ernie Banks is only is buried only about a, a quarter of a mile from Wrigley Field. I did not know that. Huh. And, and so that's yeah, that's touching too. But you know, I don't think the effect the effect uh, affection and the affect uh, for baseball is quite the same for football. I think, you know, there is a, and more and more, you know, football's taking a lot of heat these days because of the physical violence and, you know, other things. But you don't have the same kind of emotional love affair in the same kind of way. Yeah, you could love your, your, your pro football team or your college football team, but it's, it's, it's one, of, one of 16 in some cases or one of, or one of 12. In, co- in the college cases, maybe you get the 18, 19 games, you start talking exhibition. But baseball is 162. And each one of those is a chapter in that novel. And I, and I feel like there is, there is baseball and there's every other sport, as far as I'm concerned. And I love all the sports, but that's the real love affair I have. Well, Roy, we've got to take a short break for traffic, but can you stick around for just a few more minutes? I'd be happy to. My pleasure. Alrighty, we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. Time saver traffic. Heavy delays as you work through the city right now. We're looking at stop and go traffic on 95 northbound from downtown all the way through the Golden Glades. There is an accident northbound at 79th Street. Don Shula slow southbound between the Snapper Creek and Kendall. And stop traffic on the Palmetto northbound between Flagler and 58th. And in Fort Lauderdale, there's an accident at 95 northbound before sunrise. That's your South Florida traffic.
This is the only in Miami show. You're listening to the track Odd from the Mouse King original cast recording. Mouse King is running at the Mandelstam Theater this weekend, 8530 Southwest 57th Avenue. Tickets at mousekingtickets.com. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're back live with Roy Firestone and my old co-host, the Drastic Fanatic. Drastic, thanks for calling into the program. Hey, happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you very much, Roy. Thanks for sticking did around. You, did you get the flowers I sent? <laughs> no, I missed the flowers. I missed the flowers. <laughs> I'll look into that. Well, Roy, I wanted to bring you on with Roy because Drastic is a huge Mets fan. And, uh-huh. you know, it, it, I huge. used to actually I used to do a two-hour show, and we had a whole hour just for sports talk, and it was really awesome, and Drastic was on there. So I figured that he might have a couple of questions for you. Oh, hey, bud. Mets. Um, yeah, just checking in. I think I think it's what you guys were talking about before it's I called still talking in. Talking about but, baseball. Um, talking baseball, huh? Hot stove. Well, obviously, I'm excited sure. about Cespedes. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And we'll see what the next move is. It looks like they're they're close to trading one of the other outfielders right now. So. Well, I'm I'm actually hearing uh, a few things, and the reason I'm hearing it is because of a you know I'm on the hot stove at the Orioles. And I'm hearing there is a okay. rumor that Granderson, Granderson could go to the Orioles. He has one more year to go on his contract, yep. but he will be a free agent after this year. Um, I'm also hearing Jay Bruce is on the market. They may be on the market. Exactly. For They're trying to trade one of those two. Yeah, Toronto is and another looking, team, I think, that's looking, interested. They're looking for Brad Brock, who is a great right-handed pitcher for the Orioles, who is like a setup, probably a seven to eight, seventh, eighth inning pitcher. Uh, but, Perfect. You know, Jay Bruce is is expendable. It's a left-handed bat. He's still young enough. He's you know he he came almost quickly to the Mets last year and had very you know he had only a minimal impact. He be it, but he did have 33 home runs, had a, just about 100 RBIs. So the left-handed bat is what the Orioles are looking for. They may go for Jay Bruce, but they you know if Brad Brock say for example goes to the Mets, that's a good pickup for them. They also want to move the Orioles do. One of uh, uh, Mark, uh, Mike Miley or Ubaldo Jimenez or Gallardo, uh, you know, one of those three in the in the deal. So we may see a blockbuster deal with the Mets and the Orioles in the next week or so. We'll see. Very interesting. Yeah. Oh, and Jay Bruce, like anyone who comes to New York, he always gets a ch- you know he's like a deer in the headlights. When anyone gets here, there always takes takes him a little while to get to get a swing of things. Um, and then, you know, Grandison's a great clubhouse presence. Any team would want him on, in their uh, locker room. Well, tremendous, tremendous person, too. Uh, you know, he won the Roberto Clemente Award this year. Grandison's one of my favorite uh, players in all of sports. But, I mean, you just spent four years, $110 million for Cespedes. You don't, <laughs> you're not going to have the same kind of coin 
to pay all these guys anyway. So you might as well try to strengthen yourself, particularly in the, in the back end. I mean, the starters are what they are. You've got pretty good starters, the Mets do. But now you're starting yeah. to look at what are we going to do with some of these excess players. Granison's 35. He had 30 homers, yeah. but he's going to be a free agent next after this season. Bruce is only 29, but he had 33 homers. Is he really? You know, yeah, yeah. He, oh, he, wow. he feels he's like he's been in the league forever. Yeah, he seems like it. But you know, they 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 got to they got to come up with them. Bernard's catch, the, the catching has been hasn't been great for the Mets. We need They're a catcher. A catch. Yeah, there's a lot of things. So. You're looking at a payroll for the Mets. It's about a hundred, almost 150 million, something like that. And so they're right. going to have to figure out something. They're going to have to make some moves to try to shed or shred, depending upon how you want to look at it, some personnel. And this could be a good fit, one way or the other. But uh, we'll see. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot. Of, there's a lot of money moving back and forth too. There's a lot of moving parts. Well, Roy, I got to ask. Through the years, what's your favorite Mets player who you've interviewed? Because I'm sure you've spoken with quite a few of them. Well, I I, just, I think I just mentioned one of them, and that is Curtis Granderson, who's only re- fairly recently a Met. Um, but I, I I always like Tom Seaver to talk to about pitching. Okay. Uh, he was to me the na- the National League's version of Jim Palmer, who was an intellect as a, as an athlete who could talk about the actual intricacies of pitching. Um, over the years, I got to know Keith Hernandez. I liked him on the show. He was very outspoken and fun and funny. Uh, I did know Strawberry pretty well. I threw his ups and downs. He was a compelling figure. Doc Gooden as, as well. But when you look at the Mets as as a as an organization, over the years, you know the people that 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 played on the great teams. I mean, Seaver was certainly one of them. Uh, I think sure. Seaver's, but by the way, somewhat overlooked. I think he's been somewhat forgotten a little bit by the public. You don't hear much about him. He had uh, some health issues in recent years, which you may or may not know. But he's okay now. And uh, I think that he was really one of my favorite people to talk to. He was incredibly insightful and, and one of the most compelling people I've ever known in sports. But Granderson is one of the most giving people and thoughtful and has a, wor- a worldview that, that I find fascinating as well. Yeah, no, Tom yeah, Seaver I mean, won three Cy Young Awards. I mean, he pitched mm-hmm. for, for 19 years. You know, he was an, an amazing, phenomenal pitcher. One of the things that happened, though, is, and this was the beginning, when Don, Donald Grant traded him to the Reds, it broke a lot of Mets fans' hearts, and it broke Seaver's heart. He went back to New York as he, he pitched for the Yankees, too, briefly. I believe, no, maybe not the Yankees. I mean, he certainly went back. Pitched White for Sox. White. Yeah. For the White Sox against the Yankees to get his, I think his 300th win. That's what I'm saying. Thinking of, yeah, and a no hitter. <laughs> yeah, my bottom line is, I think that, that that largely Seaver is a player that has been overlooked in recent years by even Met fans because of the turnaround and the and and the changeover from player to player because of money issues and contract issues. And that was really the beginning. I think that was around 1970. I want to say five or six that Seaver got moved from the Mets to the Reds. Which and was I around that the that start of free agency. Right exactly. The that's when the exodus began. And um, is sports better for it? I think it's debatable. I mean, some people think it's great that it's always changing every year. But I think continuity is important in sports. So that's the reason I still think Seaver was one of the more compelling Mets that I ever interviewed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were talking about Keith Hernandez. It's 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 a shock to me that he never 
decided to go and become a manager somewhere. I mean, no one knows the game of baseball like Keith Hernandez, if you ask me. Right. Well, you know, he's. I think he's too do, busy doing hair dye commercials with Walt Frazier these days. But, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, I, I always found him to be very, very funny. And, you know, he was, a, he was a, a, I don't know about Seinfeld. regular, but he had several, yeah, several episodes on Seinfeld, and I thought he was a pretty good little actor, too. I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed those times. Listen, sports is still fun to enjoy, but I think a lot of players now are wary because of social media, what, what people say about them and how they're going to come off. And uh, I, I was very fortunate and continue to be fortunate, but I, I broadcast in a time where players, the access to players isn't what it is today. And I was able to do long-form interviews, uh, in-depth interviews with all kinds of athletes. And I feel, I feel better for it. And I, I feel like I was blessed by that. And I don't think it's quite the same anymore. I really don't. Well, I've got one last question um, because uh, Tony from Afrobeta just arrived. So Smurfio is going to be giving us a live studio performance here in a few minutes. Okay, um, great. But how do you perceive the changes between the re- in the relationship between the sports media and the teams? Because – like you said, you used to get a lot more access for these long-form interviews with all manner of athletes, and now today it's so much bigger of a business. Like, how sure. do you perceive the relationship changing? We've got a, about well, two minutes left. It's, it's, okay, it's, it's sort of a multi-layered answer, but here's what it is. The athlete has a platform now they didn't have 20 years ago. It's called Twitter, it's called Instagram, it's called Facebook. It's called Players Journal. They could go their own way. And I, I saw this coming, incidentally, you know, 20 years ago. They were going to get their own page, their own sponsors. They're going to get, be able to release their own information. Yeah, they have to do an obligatory press conference for a franchise here and there. But for the most part, their insights and their thoughts can be, you know, darted somewhere else. On the other hand, I think the press is much more incendiary. I think they're much more controversial-driven. Uh, I think that, that controversial-driven. I think they look for uh, an embarrassing bite or, or, or in, as I said before, uh, a, a sound bite that, that, that puts somebody in a controversial light. And I think both sides, the press and the player, are much more wary of one another. I, I felt that we had a, I don't know if the word innocent is the right word, but we had a different time, even 20 years ago, when people would come on up close and they'd want to talk about their life and times. And I don't see that anymore. I see a lot of people lobbying opinions back and forth. On most of these shows, are almost exactly the same, pro and con, left or right, whatever you want to call it. With a person in the middle, maybe there's a third person. But most of these talk shows on radio and TV are just people just laying out their opinions. It's opinion driven, and I think there's less time for reflection. I think there's less desire on the part of both the player and and the media to get someone's reflection on life and their experiences. And I, and I think we're, we're poorer for it, if I may say that. Yeah, it, it's a major change. I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I grew up reading the sports page in the Miami Herald, watching you know ESPN, watching your show, Roy. Um, and and it's, definitely, it's definitely different today. Very different. And I also think one other thing has happened. And I'll be, I know you only have a few seconds left. I think our political discourse is is following the lead of sports. And that is, you've got to have one team that you root for, and if the other team wins, screw them. You know, hate, we hate them. You know? And I think that we need to find you know, something in our discourse 
that allows for two opinions, one on each side, to go back and forth without hostility, without contempt, uh, without name-calling or backbiting. And I think it's, to me, it's actually evolved, I believe, from sports talk all over the place. I think now our news coverage and our political process and all the other things are going about what will, what will tweet faster, what will get more hits. And just because something is clickable, clickbait, if you will, just because somebody says something on Twitter or something, that shouldn't be our discourse. But that's the way it is, and that's the way our society's changed. And it comes, in my opinion, originally from sports. Well, Roy, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure, Grant. Thank you for having me on. And Drastic, thank you as always for being there for me, man. Always, buddy. Happy anniversary. And Will... Thanks, Roy. Thanks for calling, man. I really appreciate it. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. No, no, no! This is the Only in Miami show. You're listening to The Battle from Mouse King. Mouse King is running this weekend at Mandelstam Theater, 8530 Southwest 57th Ave. Go to MouseKingTickets.com. MouseKingTickets.com. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we are back live with a special live studio performance by Smurfio from AfroBeta. Give us a shout out, Smurfio. I know you're getting set up there. Only in Miami. That's right. You three were on three years. A, three years, man. I love the bird, the Thank pigeon. You. My we, pigeon. You gotta have the pigeon. She's from uh, Burning Man. Okay, so what are you gonna play for us tonight? Uh, just some improvised. Uh, some Miami bass. Yeah. Acid techno. Okay. Well, let's let's let it rip. This is Afro Beta, live on the Only in Miami show.
Very nice. Thank you so much, Tony. Bravo. Awesome. Gra yeah, grab a seat. Relax. Yeah. Let me switch headphones because these are really loud. It was yeah. like a silent disco in here, man. It, it is a silent disco. That's right. <laughs> silent disco for everybody watching on Facebook Live, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now that I've got both of you guys in the studio, Michael. Hello. And Tony. What's up? Okay. There was big news in Miami Radio today. Oh. Uh, the Paul and Young Wrong Show is over wow. next friday the not end. this friday but next friday You're next young ron is retiring <laughs> <laughs> no i'm sticking around man i'm yeah. sticking around this no no you're next to take their their place uh, you think so really yeah <laughs> but i mean you, you guys listen to the show i used to a lot more yeah uh, lately i mean it's more about am radio for me yeah yeah oh. especially 880 am oh well on monday know, nights and can't, can't blame you for that it's a good time to listen to radio what about you tony um i don't listen to radio at all Really? <laughs> at all. Maybe VUM every now and then. Yeah? Yeah, I'm never in a car. No, well, I mean, what do you car. like to listen to when you're VUM. listening? VUM. WVUM. But, I mean, do you listen to, like, Pandora or Spotify? Uh, Spotify. Yeah? Yeah. Or, like, iTunes? Do you just, like, buy music? Or? Stop buying music. After <laughs> What's I that about? Subscribe to Spotify. Uh, $10 okay. a month, I get everything. Well, I mean, you guys gig pretty frequently for Afro Beta. Yeah. Where are you guys playing next? We are playing. We're having a big New Year's Eve uh, it's called the baseball. We're playing with telekinetic walrus, Otto von Schirach at the Winwood Yard. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. It's 20 bucks to get in. That's a good night. deal for, yeah. for New Year's yeah. Eve. Yeah, for New Year's. There's some VIP packages, but uh, definitely that's going to be. And and what about you, Michael? What's what's next up for live shows for you? Electric Picanta is back at Ball and Chain this Friday. Oh, that's a good one. Yes, what no time? cover. Uh, we're on around 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock at the yes. Ball and Chain in Little Havana, right? Yeah, it's been a while for us for a Friday night. We were doing a bunch of Tuesdays there. Ah, well, but, you know, hey, there's yeah. not a lot of places Yikes. left to play in town, really, when you think about it. No, no. I like Tuesdays. Tuesdays are it's good week It's for the weeknight warriors. That's for your groupies. Yeah. yeah. That is for your groupies. Definitely. Groupies and family members. <laughs> yeah. But it was pretty much <laughs> over by... work. Yeah. Over Always. by 10. Yeah. over uh, In at uh, 8, done by 10, right? That's right. Well, it's been a fun show, I think. I, I hope everybody had a good time, right? Yeah, it was awesome, man. Congratulations, Grant. Thank you. And yeah, uh, Three years. Yeah, yeah man. man. It's a lot of episodes, over 140. A lot of yeah. missed Miami Heat games on Mondays. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. uh, Monday Night sure. Dolphin games? Oh, there's Not been so many missed. Yeah. yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> when was the last time we played on Monday night? That was uh, a long time. It's been, been a long, long time, while, man. Yeah. Gosh, I can't even remember. They'll be back next year after yeah. this nice six-game run. Yes. Yeah, they will be. Someone's going to be like, yeah, we need to put these guys back on. And uh, speaking of being back, this is our last six to seven show. We'll be back on uh, from 7 to 8 p.m. starting next Monday night. That's what I thought. Thank you for joining <laughs> us, everybody. It's been a pleasure. This is the Only in Miami show. Thank you, Grant. <laughs> <laughs>